0: So if you're a new agent, I think it would be a question of what is your skill set? What could you bring to the table? If you're really good on like the nuts and bolts and like, man, I get those contracts written fast and I'm good at like uploading all the documents. If you have that skill set, why not partner with an agent who might need your help that way? And then learn from them maybe the social media that you don't understand. So it's really a matter of collaborating and just seeing how that would work out and seeing who would be available to kind of meet the need that you would have as well so welcome
1: to the freedom chasers podcast where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories successes goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom all right, guys, we are so excited to have Heather Gill on with us today. She is the founder of the Texas Elder Care Project. She has worked in and out of nursing homes and has leveraged that to build a business that supports the elderly. The thing that I find so exciting is like the care that she has for people, that she doesn't lose the people element in the course of the transaction. And the fact that she's doing a lot of really cool things, like assuming mortgages and, and finding creative ways to buy properties. So Heather, thank you so much for being on the show with us. Oh, and I forgot to mention, you're a life coach that's got some cool strategies for us today as well. But as always, if you'll start us off with the craziest real estate transaction you've had so far.
0: Oh, craziest real estate transaction. Um, well, you know, it's it's not uncommon when you're buying property, um, especially, you know, in, in older parts of town, sometimes you'll find that there's a lot of people on the title. So I think there was one time we purchased a home, and they had to go through six or seven. Uh, they had to get six or seven. So they had to, like, go out and find all these people. I know that's not, like, super crazy, but, like, that's probably, you know, quite one of the the more interesting ones, if you will. Um, and then, as you know, the human factor plays a big role too. And I've, I've dealt with some very interesting people. I won't get into all the logistics of it, but I'll just say some people probably shouldn't like, uh, probably should live their life a little differently that have a lot more clarity. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, the human factor just makes it all so interesting for sure.
1: So you're a life coach and you have told us about the strategy that you do where you assemble all your passwords into one system. We, I use uh, LastPass, which has been great, but you took it a step oh, yeah. further that I thought was fantastic, which is that you made the one password that controls all passwords, your life goal or your life mission. Can you take us into what that, what that means for you and how that's been a benefit to you?
0: Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll lead you through an exercise if you want us to put totally. one together, because I think it's a great way to go about it. So we know, and I mean, hopefully by now, you know. <laughs> I'll say that. Hopefully you understand by now that you can't have password one, two, three as your password for everything because you're going to get hacked. And in real estate, we have passwords for everything. You name it. We have our bank. We have, if you're a realtor like I am, you have all the MLS. You got your this and then that and the broker and the blah, 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 and the whatever. I have thousands of passwords at this point in my life, which is a little insane. And remembering the difference between password one, uppercase P, lowercase, whatever, blah, blah. It's too much. (laughs) (laughs) Too much to remember. So I too use LastPass. It's a great system. There's other ones out there like it. But what I decided to do is I wanted to create a password that would help me not only create something crazy, radically different than other people so that it would be safe But also when I type it in, it's reminded me subconsciously "Oh, this is what I'm going after, right? This is what I want to do. So this is a super simple exercise. If you wanted to, you could take a piece of paper. I mean, write down like your top three goals. I mean, I know this is something you can do at some point. So like top three goals, maybe I want to be a net worth. I'm just going to create something net worth 5 million. Maybe I want to help the homeless. Maybe I want to buy a Lambo. I mean, I don't know. I don't really want a Lambo. I mean, they're cool, but that's not my deal. So maybe this is kind of what I'm going after, you know. And from here, I'm going to just create something, you know, that's kind of nutty so that I can create it into a password. So you play with the digits. You play with the uppercase, lowercase. You add in the crazy. And you just create something. So maybe maybe I'm going to do, you know, something like this. Maybe I'm going to do Lambo. Maybe I'm gonna do uh, net five, right? Maybe I'm gonna do, what was the other one? Help the homeless. And then um, home. And then we need to add some crazy symbols here because you know that's, that's how it works. So maybe I'm gonna do something like that. Home, dollar sign, at sign. You know what I'm saying? But you can play with something like this so that it you really kind of get the feel for it. And of course you want it to be long, you want it to be crazy. And then when you set that as your master password for your, your password management system, like every time you type it in, you're gonna grin a little bit. You're gonna be like, yeah, that's what I want. That's right. It's gonna remind you and on those bad days or the days where you're having a little bit more trouble, you're gonna type it in and be like, yeah. It's going to re-spark that for you. So, yeah, that that's my little tip for you there.
1: So I want to go deeper into this because this is really, really cool. I mean, first of sure. all, I'm going to implement this right away. But second of all, you have a positive mentality on it. And I think this is important to go through because some people might be looking at this as, hey, this is a daily reminder. I'm not there and have negative feelings toward it. Can you talk to us mm. about how you prepared yourself mentally, emotionally to feel positive about a goal that you've not yet achieved?
0: Right. Right. Great question. So, so our minds are drawn toward the positive. Like if I say, don't think of the pink elephant, what do you do? You think of the pink elephant, right? Like, like our minds aren't necessarily drawn toward the negative. Like they don't respond in the same way. We're talking like cognitive function at this point, like the way the mind processes things. So by putting it in a positive spin, we're, we're training our mind to look for that and to subconsciously make it happen. So like, there's a lot that goes into this. This is a very simple, just technique to put it in front of you and remind you. Now, if you're typing this in every day and you're like, ah, I'm not there yet, like maybe you should take a step back and just really consider where you're at. Cause you know, you might want additional coaching around that at that point, because like, you know, this is just a reminder where you're going, where you want to be. You're like this is a little signpost if you're driving you know um uh, exit in five miles or whatever it's kind of like that idea if you will
1: and this idea is not shrouded in time right in the sense that it's not like i have to hit this in 30 days or 12 months or something like that it's just yeah. at some point in my life i'm going to get there and i'm going to keep continually making these positive steps forward until i hit this goal so it's more like a yeah. lifetime goal as opposed to like a short-term or intermediate goal
0: I mean, you, you could, I mean, depending on what you're after, so intention plays a really big part in this and you can set the intention however you want. When I created this, it's actually probably been two plus years, maybe even three since I set mine. I just set it and I was like moving that direction. But since I set it, we, we bought the Airbnb, we did this other thing, we bought this, we sold this, we were making movements, right? So I wasn't trying to work toward that goal as much as just remind myself of what I was looking for.
2: Absolutely. Tremendous. As you start checking off the boxes and accomplishing the goals, do you adjust the password along or do you wait till you accomplish all three?
0: You can. Absolutely. Um, And what I was Matt and I was talking about before we started is that, you know, now that I'm at the end of this year and I'm looking forward to the next year, I can look and see that I have hit the number that I was looking to be at. I'm in it right now with real estate. So like I could go ahead and adjust that and kind of bring it to the next level. Right. So I'm definitely going to take some time during the holiday season and kind of boil it down and get like, okay, so what do I want to do now? Cause you know, I want to bring this up a level, turn it up a notch, you know?
2: Absolutely. So speaking of which you're a real estate investor, you're a real estate agent, you're a life coach, right? Like, what are you focusing on right now? Because obviously you can't do all three of them at a 100% level, no, so like, where, you. where's your focus?
0: I hear you, absolutely. So at in this moment, I mean, so this obviously replay later, but we're like a couple of days before Christmas. So like in this moment I'm in right now, I'm getting ready for our kids to come back. We got back one well, coming back from college. Um, So I'm just kind of having some family time right now. I have some real estate um, deals working on the real estate side as a realtor. So I'm working those. What my intention is to take the next two months or so, really get a good pattern with some of that, and uh, and then move it forward on the real estate side. But I will say this, like, I use my coaching skills with everybody that I meet. (laughs) I mean, my clients, I'm using this with them because it's just the little, it's just the small little mind, the little hacks, little tweaks, the small little adjustments here and there that make the big difference. So like, I might not be teaching them like the whole methodology of like NLP or whatever, but like I'm doing these little things and I'm making it much more enjoyable for them. I'm giving them more positivity, more hope, more excitement about what we're doing and and I'm helping them to just move along in the process. So it's it's just, you know, it's hard to really separate it that way, but I am really focused right now on real estate. So, yeah.
1: That's awesome. And and in regards to coaching, like it does seem that there is a transition. People come, they have some success. I mean, like you mentioned, you're hitting the seven-figure mark and now, you know, your password might change to include an 8 or a 9 yeah. in it as opposed to a 7. And then a lot of times people start to yeah. transition into coaching and these types of things. Like Do you find yourself having more passion coaching than, you know, acquiring properties or what what do you find joy doing? Good
0: question. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple months ago, I became a mentor with my broker. So I'm also mentoring new agents in my office, which I really like. I like seeing the light bulb come on for people. I like to see that process. I like, and I, and I have, I have an education background anyway. So I I like to kind of help people move into the next point and take the next step that they need to. So when it comes to real estate and with coaching, I just feel like this is a good marriage for me, for my skill set, for what I offer. And then it's just, I can see it just kind of compounding and even helping me do better with real estate at this point.
1: Love this. So what do you as a coach, like I love talking with coaches because you're constantly dealing with people's objections, their, their mindset blocks, all these things. What are some right. of the things that you're seeing that, and in ways that you're over helping people overcome it that are helpful for people to take action?
0: Good questions. So let me think about that for a second. Hmm. So I, I will say this, you know, um, I've, I've done more personal development since I became a realtor than I think I ever did before. I mean, I was kind of always drawn that way, but like, especially with our brokerage EXP, like they just like, that's like on steroids in our brokerage, they like really push that. And in fact, when I got my success coaching certification, it was because, I mean, we own success, we own the brand. So like, I'm actually a coach with success with EXP, if that makes sense. Um, What what I've noticed in my own personal life and what I've seen in like this whole kind of development, if you will, and like growth in, in this space is that sometimes you're told, go read this book. It's going to make the biggest difference for you, right? Have you ever had this happen to you? Go read this. This is going to change everything for you. And you read the book and you're like, what? <laughs> like, like, it maybe didn't mean as much to you. Maybe you didn't take away as much as you thought. Maybe you would based on the recommendation. So like, we're so like, we're just so individual as people. And, and yes, you can, I mean, yes, time management. If you'll time block, you're going to do better. I mean, yes, there's some nuts and bolts things. Absolutely. hundred percent. It's going to make life better for you. It's going to make your business better. hundred percent agree. But I will also say this. We are so individually uniquely made and our minds are just doing things in such a unique way because of our upbringing, our background, things that have happened in our lives that sometimes it's just, there needs to be that little tweak. And I've got to say, like having gone through coaching myself I've gained the biggest gains and grown the most by working with somebody who's been able to just kind of pull out some of the thinking and like click that little light switch for me. Do you know what I'm saying? So like I would, so to answer your question, yes, books are great. Yes. Methodologies are great, but sometimes you just need that next little level that's more personal one-on-one. And I've seen that help people in some really tremendous ways
2: absolutely you know the more people lean into their strengths typically the the better off they're going to be and and a hard part along that process is actually figuring out and identifying what those strengths and weaknesses are so i mean i would love to get into that because as you said everybody is is super unique so like if you're coming into somebody as a life coach like how do you approach them from a personality perspective? Do you have them do a test or, or how does that analysis work and, and where yeah. does it go from there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so in the success model, they have everyone do a strengths test first so that whenever they're handed off to us, we can look and see the profile and be like, okay, they, they kind of think like this. They, they kind of move and groove like this in life. This is kind of an idea of who they are. And that gives us just a place to kind of start from. Because, as you know, some people are more analytical; some people are not as much. Like we all have these little differences, and it's so wonderful. It's it's so interesting. I I, I dig this stuff a lot because we're just so unique. You know, God created us in such unique ways. It's amazing.
1: Certainly, and yeah. one of the things I think about a lot because you know, as we've transitioned from make putting all of our focus in the buying of properties to podcasting, it, it's it's caused us to do a lot of things differently, like podcasting is a very different skill than making an offer on a house. And so there are certain things about what I'm doing now that I, that I'm in love with and certain things that are harder. And so like, I'm constantly thinking about, okay, what things are natural? When do you push to just be good at something versus like recognize that this is not my gift. I should go find my who, not how, Mm
2: -hmm. how do
1: you process those questions as far as advising people? No, you just need to grind through this and get it. Or you just need to go hire this or you need to go partner in a very narrow way on this type of thing to have it done for you?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. A great question. So that, that'd that be on the business coaching side. So you're trying to figure out your processes. And like, like you said, when do you just dig in and make it happen? And when do you like, okay, I'm going to hire somebody here. Um, gosh, there are so many entrepreneurs are on different levels of their journey. Some entrepreneurs have the money, they have the capital, they can hire somebody, not a big deal. They just have to find the right person, right? So for those folks, it's easier to leverage and it's easier to scale it because they've got some resources. Now, if you're just like getting going and money and you just got the resources, but they're just right on the edge, just enough, there might be times when you'll need to either kind of dig in yourself and do what you can or maybe collaborate cuz you know something something I've done in the past is I've traded services out. I'll do this for you if you do this for me. Like and that's a great way to kind of leverage and kind of build yourself up because sometimes sometimes that's just where you are. <laughs> you know to be honest, I mean that's just where some people are at the moment. So I think it would just be a question of, you know, are the resources there? Is the time there? You know, can you leverage yourself? Can you leverage someone on your team or do you need to bring in somebody else? So those are all questions you'd have to look at and, and just really dig into and answer and find out.
2: I love this. Let's, let's dive a little bit deep, deeper into the bartering concept. Like if you were a newer agent, like how would you approach that? What kind of um, services would you be offering and, and things of that nature? Because bartering is something that me and Matt are both strong believers in as well.
0: <laughs> right. So, so if you're a new agent, hmm. So if you're a new agent, I think it would be a question of what is your skill set? What could you bring to the table? If you're really good on like the nuts and bolts and like, man, I get those contracts written fast and I'm good at like uploading all the documents, maybe you trade that out and you help another agent who's not as good at that. Because I mean, I use a service that helps me keep all my paperwork. Right. I just do. I just know that's not my, if you could see my office, you would see all the papers on my desk. You would understand why I'm saying this because there's paper. I don't like paper. I'm just going to say that. Um, but, like, if, if you have that skill set, why not partner with an agent who might need your help that way and then learn from them maybe the social media that you don't understand? So it's really a matter of collaborating and just seeing how that would work out and seeing who would be available to kind of meet the need that you would have as well. So it'd be really case-by-case case basis. Um, and, then, and then the question is, I, my perspective here on the realty side, if you're an agent, like, Finding an office finding a group that has the collaborative spirit is everything. That's why I like EXP so much because we collaborate about everything. And I love that. In fact, I've got two great guys here locally in the Metroplex, we get together at least twice a month, we have lunch, we talk about what we're doing, we help each other out. That is so important. We're not a team. We're not like, we're not trying to be something big at the moment. We're just kind of like running together, which is really cool. And I think finding those running buddies and those people that you can really partner with is super important.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, it's just the energy that it brings and the ideas and the camaraderie and, and it keeps you positive and, and energetic. So you founded the Texas elder care project and I know that taking care of people is central to who you are. So can you talk about like, what was the idea that led to that? And how has this thing evolved?
0: Yeah. So, so I will say this, like getting the certification with coaching, I think is only going to further help me with Texas elder care. So I'm really glad about that. So let's talk about what Texas elder care is, how it happened. So if you rewind a few years ago, remember that big time when everybody was like stuck at home and toilet paper couldn't be found. Like we had this this time that was so unusual in the world, and I just remember, you know, seeing what was happening in our elderly population. Like nursing homes locked their doors; you couldn't go visit. Like it was a big deal. It was really a big deal, and it and it really broke my heart having worked in that industry, having been in and out of nursing homes. And, and worked in that the capacity that I was in as a trainer. And so once I got toward the end of 2020, moving into 21, I was like, I really want to do something that's going to get back. I want to do something that's going to make a difference. So I decided to take my skill set as a trainer, and then also my understanding of the industry as a whole, and do something called Texas Elder Care. And what we are is we're a collaborative effort. I've done a lot of interviews, kind of like y'all are interviewing me. I did interviews with professionals, and we were just answering some really basic questions. What do we do now? Because I I don't know what y'all's experience might be with with elder care and, like, what could happen, but, like, it's usually not a problem until it's a problem. You know, grandmother will fall, break her hip. Now, all of a sudden, she can't live at home anymore. Now, all of a sudden, they got to sell the house. Now, all of a sudden, maybe they have to retrofit the house. Or all of a sudden now they need hospice coming in, like this just opens up a huge can of worms for most people because like, how do you, where do you even go to begin to answer that question, right? How do you even start to like address that? And so I, I took about two months, early 2021, interviewed a lot of people. I, I we have an attorney, we have an insurance person. Like I just grabbed all these like professionals who understand the space and I said, let me interview, ask you questions so that we can just get some knowledge out there to help people that are dealing with this what do we do now kind of situation. So that was the birth of it and that that's what we've got going on right now with it.
1: It's super cool too when people are able to build businesses or entities surrounding the things they're passionate about so that you can provide the services, you can make money, it helps you in your financial goals and in your goals in life and provide such an amazing benefit. How, if, if at all, have you built a business around this thing?
0: Uh, you know, being totally transparent here, I haven't made any money on it yet. I haven't made anything, but you know what? We've got some good, solid information out there. Um, I have had a few people call me for referrals, which I love. I don't mind it being just a dot on the map right now. I don't have to make money with it at the moment. I would like to at some point, but like I'm not super concerned that we're not at that point yet. Does that it make is sense? so
1: refreshing, yeah. Because I
0: don't mind it sitting there and providing value. Yeah. Right.
1: It's so nice when you see people that one, either have goals that are completely not related to money or B, the money is so secondary to the equation that it just comes when it comes because your, your right. primary objective is right. to help people. Particularly like, in society that people that are either underserved or are in real need. So that is super tremendous. Now you mentioned pre-call that you have a studio that you bought simply because your husband is a musician. So there were so many elements to your story that I really resonated with, which is that you do a lot of these types of investings more based on your personality, your lifestyle. Can you talk about the studio and maybe some of the other things you're doing to be more of a lifestyle investor than a a sheer ROI investor?
0: Right that that's probably a good way to put it. I mean, we do like to make money with our investments, don't get me wrong. I like to get a payday for sure. So I like money, but I, we, we definitely have a bigger plan at play here. And, and again, this gets back to the human elephant uh, elements of the whole situation. We're all unique. We all have different goals we're going after. So my husband's been a musician for like, I don't know, for forever. <laughs> uh, he plays everything. He can play the drums, bass, electric. And he's doing a lot of really interesting work right now. It's very, uh, I'll call it experimental he, uh, he probably wouldn't like that term. I call it that just because I don't really know how to like really Category, like, identify yeah. it as well. But like, it's very, it's very unique. And, and it's, um, it's got its own purpose and its own like um, mission behind it, which is really great. Um, he's had the intention of having the studio for at least 25 years. And so we, we've been married for almost nine years. And this whole time we've been like, okay, here's, your, here's what you want to do. Let's make some plans. Let's make some steps. When I saw housing prices go up the way they did in 2021, I looked at Sam and I'm like, we should sell our house, take the gains, and then let's, let's split the money and go, let's go get the studio started for you. So we were able to leverage the upswing because we, we built in 2016 in Carrollton. And we, we we did very well when we sold in 2021. I was very happy with that. That was very fantastic for us. It allowed us to get a home closer to the kid's school. And then it allowed us to get his studio space. So we have a studio out in East Texas. We've got a lot of equipment in there right now. It's not built out. I mean, we're, we're still like trying to get things set up. But like the intention is for him to, he's either going to get in there and just start producing music like crazy, or he's actually going to have people in and, and do production. He's still deciding that right now. But yeah, that's one of the big things we did last year. That
1: is year. so cool. So when you sold, did you buy or did you go into a renter model?
0: No, we, you we bought, bought. again.
1: Okay, cool. But because you did so well on that sell, even though you're buying, you're selling in a high market, buying in a high market, you were able to still buy again and buy a studio. Yeah. That is fantastic.
0: Did- yeah. Two for one. We did a two for one that way. And we, we did well. I'll say this. We had a fantastic lender that figured our situation out so we could do this model. He's like, you just got to buy something 75 miles away. So it's considered a second house. So we didn't get stuck with having to buy like an, it wasn't an investor rate of like whatever, 12% or something. So we got good rates on both of them. Um, and it worked out very well for us. So yeah, so it's good to work with a good lender. You got to know somebody who can figure that out for you. And then it just, it worked out perfectly perfectly. I mean, I can't say we paid cash for everything, but like we, we did well and we got to move the ball forward, which is what we wanted.
1: That is so awesome. Given that you're a per- person that has so much heart for people, how does that influence the way that you set your goals? You know, a lot of times when we talk to investors, it, it seems to be a little bit more of a mathematical, like hard charging numbers process. There's a why attached, of course but it seems like more you're starting with the why. Right. So what does it look like in the heart of somebody who's heart-focused to, to set goals?
0: Absolutely. I, I, will, I will say this. So when I started out in real estate uh, six years ago now, because I started out investing first, um, I was way more heart than I was numbers, and that hurt me. So I, I've had to really get a balance here. And I've had to really like figure this out in my own soul, if you will, what that looks like for me. Um, so what I do, so a lot of what I do is on just the real estate side, not so much in the investing world. But if I see opportunities, I take advantage of them. That's how we we found the Airbnb. My past client was like, I need to sell this, and I'm like, Well, you're not going to get a lot because you weren't, you didn't have any down, but we can buy it. So that was a win-win for everybody, which was great. The other homes we have are, are situational. We didn't necessarily go like doing door knockers or sending out a lot of postcards. Um, that came through a family situation. We were able to help them. It helped us. So, I mean, I'm always looking for that win-win opportunity. So the numbers and how that works out as, as somebody who has such a big heart. So my intention is to just to, to be on top of my outreach, to keep up with people, I run um, a special club for my referral partners. I call it my MVP club. We do fun stuff. It's really a great, I I have fun with it. It's a great time. They have a great time with it. They invite people in. We have, it's just the ball. So that, that works out very well. It's not just like, give me a referral. It's like, yay, we're going to celebrate and have a good time. So I try to put the fun into it. I try to look for the win-win for everybody. And, and I do, I mean, if you look behind me here, which you can't see, but I have a whole board full of numbers people i'm working with i mean so i keep it but like the heart's still very much there
2: absolutely tremendous stuff um i love the mvp club that you just talked about the referral partners and referral relationships are something i think a lot of realtors um do not put enough effort into because you know One lender that sends you five deals a year is worth more than a buyer that's gonna buy every five to seven years. So let's talk about how you develop this MVP club and how you um, cement these referral relationships.
0: Right, I would love to take credit and say, I created like this all by myself. There's a book out there called Perk Your Sphere. It's a super small book, you can get it on Amazon. And actually, I think for almost any business model where you get referrals, you could run something like this. I'm running like a makeshift version of this. I'm not following it to a T, but basically in my world, I can only give you like a $50 gift card if you refer somebody to me. So like, I'm happy to do that for my referral partners. I'm happy to treat them well because they were so kind to think of me, but like, I don't, I do other things that are just like, thank you for being a part of the club. And it's not tied to any specific referral it's just part of the club. So once a month, they get an email from me. I use Bomb, Bomb video. So I'm sending them a video. I'm like, hey guys, thank you so you know, Like talking up what we're going to do. And I think when, one month I gave away, um, I've done tickets to sporting events. They only have four. Who wants them? I've done uh, events. So this was really fun. So Homestead Winery in Plano, really cool boutique winery, like in the middle of Plano, like you probably pass this house all the time. It's this older house that's yellow and it's got some land and it's an old like, um, uh, homestead, it's homestead wineries. Anyway, uh, we had an event there in November. I did this with my business partners and I had a photographer come out. We did wine tastings. We had charcuteries and the photographer did pictures. So people would have their Christmas card pictures ready to go. And it was a fantastic event. So that was just open to the MVP club. They could come if they wanted to. I just needed to know they were coming. Everybody got a little gift. It was a little like five by seven frame. And it was just me showing appreciation. And, and again, just, you know, loving on them because they're great people and it's just a club and they're in it and, you know, it's fun.
2: Absolutely tremendous. Sorry about that. I had myself on mute. <laughs> um, so how did the MVP club itself develop? Did you already have these relationships or did you create like a hit list of people that you wanted to work with and you went after them?
0: Right, so um, I didn't start my MVP club until about a year ago. So I'd already had some people I'd worked with. I had people that I was keeping up with and calling on a monthly basis. So they just naturally flowed into this. Um, I will confess like my, my really close friends are in this group and then my family because I want them to know that I appreciate them and, you know, am thankful for them as well. There's about 40 people, I think, in my club. But, like, even at the Homestead event that we, we did this uh, wine tasting, I only had, like, 15 people come. But that was still a great turnout, and we had a great time. And, yeah, it was great. Super
1: intimate, et cetera. Yeah. You've done some really cool things in your acquis- acquisitions, like, as far as, like, assuming notes. And I think, in particular you said you assumed a VA note. Now, are you or your husband yeah. a veteran?
0: So, in um, – I believe this is a national rule, but I know for sure in Texas. So FHA and VA are assumable. You do not have to be a veteran to assume a veteran a VA note. Um, we're not, I have like a great, like a grandpa who served and like, I have some of that in the background, but I have not served myself.
1: That is so awesome. Like this is something that we get asked all the time. Like you, you know, you have to be a veteran, right? Nope, you don't. So that is so, so cool. Can you dive into the process? Like, what did it look like? How did the conversation go with the seller once they agreed? What was the process like with the bank?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It was our first time going through this process. So I went to my network and they recommended Scott Horn with Horn and Associates. They do a lot of this kind of investor purchases, I guess you could say. So I got with them and they made sure all the paperwork was right they made sure everything was correct because the last thing you want to do with one of these kind of situations is not do something correctly in the bank, call the note. You just want it to be as smooth and as effortless as possible. So I'm really thankful they were helping us out. Shout out to those guys. They're fantastic. So they kept us all good there. Um, so they handled the paperwork side. Once they got the paperwork side handled, um, we just had to make sure to have proper insurance. So ours was a little bit more unique in the fact that we were purchasing it with the intention of making it a short-term rental. So I had to find somebody very specific on the insurance side who understood assuming notes and understood what we were doing on the short-term rental side. So it was there was some trickiness right there that we had to navigate through, but we found some person, we found somebody for that too, which was great. Um, they helped us make sure that that was in place as well. So to back it up for a minute, the conversation, I sold this house to my client about two years before, like right right in 2020 when things started getting kind of hairy, she bought this house. Cute home in the colony, two bedroom, two bath, smaller home, it was good for her at the time, but she called me up and she's like, "I've I've gotten a pay raise, I've moved out of town, I bought something else, I don't need this home anymore, I need to sell it. And I'm like looking at the numbers and I'm like, The market was up but that house was so small and such a unique house like it was going to be hard to get a lot more money out of it because like now she's got to pay me and the buyer's agent like there's there's extra stuff involved to the sell. so we started looking at the numbers and i was like sam i'm like we should assume the note on this house if we can and we'll just make it a short-term rental i think we can cash flow this pretty well So as we looked at the numbers, looked at what Airbnbs were in the area, we figured out pretty quick we could do well with it. And so we moved ahead with the process and got it all started and got it all finished up. And I think it was April or May that we got it on the market. And we've been pretty solidly booked. Um, December was a little bit slower, but like we've been solidly booked every weekend, times during the week as well.
1: That's great to hear. So diving back a little bit into the loan assumption part, did you have to qualify based on your financials, your debt to income, all that stuff, or was it just, hey, like you could have done anything and and still assume?
0: So this is where it's interesting. So with an assuming of the notes, because it was handled the way it was on paper, I mean, they they didn't ever really come and ask us, can you prove us that you can pay for this? Like that just didn't happen. Now, I'm sure that if I was working with somebody else, or maybe if there was some need to call the bank and do something directly with the bank, then that would have come up in a more direct way. But like the agreement we had with the seller, she understood that we could pay it. She trusted that. I mean, we gave her bank statements. She saw what we cash flowed. She was okay with that. She was comfortable with that. And from there, we were able to just go ahead and assume it.
1: And so when you say assume, the mortgage transferred from her name to yours?
0: No, it stayed in her name.
1: Okay, so you did a subject to.
0: So this is, yeah, so you are correct. So my apologies. No, subject yeah. to. I say we assumed it, but yes, it was subject to the existing. Uh, that's correct. Okay. Thank you for that. Of
1: course. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is not any less impressive. Subject two is generally for a lot of investors. It, it can be a, a bit of a challenge to one explain it to a seller, two right. show sufficient means and financials to get a seller comfortable. So, right. kudos to you; that's awesome. And so, that that was that on the studio property, or was that on a different property? No, this is Airbnb. You said right?
0: Yeah, this was sweet. So this is the Airbnb in the Colony, two bed, two bath house. Yeah, the studio was just. Um, We worked with a local bank in East Texas and we were able to come up with payments and down payments. We just mortgaged it through a local bank there.
1: Love it. What do you, now that you're, you know, you passed your seven figure net worth goal, you're realigning your goals for bigger sites and so on and so forth. Like if you had a billion dollars in the bank and a hundred lifetimes of cash flow, like, what would your life look like? Hmm.
0: A billion dollars in the bank, huh? Hmm. What would my life look like? Well, what I could... So, like, if we pretend... Like, let's pretend I won the lottery tomorrow was a billion dollars. So, like, I just have this money in my bank. What would I do? What would life look like next? I would pay off all of our mortgage notes because I just wouldn't want to mess with it anymore. Just pay them off. Um, I'd buy a new car because... About three weeks ago, my car got hit by a drunk driver when it was parked on the road and got destroyed. So, like, I'm car shopping right now, <laughs> so I'd go buy another car. Uh, that would be on the list, too. We'd probably prepay for our college um, college for our son. He's got two years left after this year of college. So we'd probably just handle all of those, like, things, those responsibilities, right? After the dust settled, we'd probably pay off our parents' mortgages. We'd probably get them all squared if they owe anything else, So like if we boil it all down after that, so what would we do for fun? (laughs) Like, what would we do next in our business? Okay, so after that, I would imagine, I would probably take a chunk of money and I'd probably get with a business development person and I'd probably look closer at Texas Elder Care to see what else can we do with this? How else can we make this better? What can we do to enhance this? Um, What could we do to maybe even make a little money with it, right? I would love to, to do something like that. So if I had money coming in, I would probably put some of it there. Um, would probably take a chunk of it and syndicate it into some apartment deals because that's very appealing to me. We haven't done that yet, but I think it's fantastic. So I could see us taking a chunk of money and doing that. Um, let's see. Outside of that, probably take a vacation. <laughs> uh, you know, things like that as well. So um, I could easily see that being items that we'd do.
2: Absolutely tremendous. So you've alluded that you're kind of working on this right now, but Heather, like what is your vision over the next 12 to 18 months? What are you looking to accomplish over that timeframe?
0: Great question. So building my real estate career, I'd love to possibly have a buyer's agent that I bring on to my team this year. I think that'd be pretty fantastic. Um, Growing my coaching side of things, you know, bringing that more into the forefront as well. Um, I love to do public speaking, so getting some opportunities to do that would be really great. I enjoy that a lot. Um, Be great to maybe pick up another investment if it made sense for us. I think it'd be a time and place situational kind of thing. But, you know, I'm always just kind of keeping my ears open to see if that makes sense. I could easily see that happening in the 12 to 18 months. Um, Sam, of course, he'll continue working on his music. Hopefully within that period, he'll have a studio either up and running or semi up and running and publishing more music. So I can anticipate that. And then um, 12 to 18 months from now, our sophomore in high school will be on his way to being a senior. So so like we'll be probably senior parents for the last time at that point. So that could be interesting. So we'd be on our way to empty nesting, which could be fun.
1: So one of the things that I really loved about this episode, I just... I take a lot of, you know, I guess it's like heartwarming feelings when you have somebody that's really clearly out for the betterment of people. And it's kind of nice to see them find nice balance between being a good business person and loving on people so that they're, they're progressing in their career goals, but still people are being served. So I think that was super cool. I think the password idea is really awesome. Like what a way to create accountability by, and I loved how you, you ended with that, which is, you know, how, how do you create accountability with your password? And then it's like, it makes me think like, what other systems can I put in to have accountability? Like I think of accountability, right. <laughs> like I need to call somebody, then you call me. What happens if you just put the systems of your life are named in a way where you're like, this is my goal. This is my goal. This is where I'm headed. This is who I am.
2: Exactly. That's that's what it is. It's the constant reminder, right? I mean, when you have to do that fast word every single day, you're forced to remember what your goal is, right? It's essentially impossible to forget. It's kind of yeah. like, um, I think Goggins said he would put post-it notes on his. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so it's said that constant reminder. It's hard to forget when you're constantly seeing it and you're physically typing that in, right? So, I mean, I think that one's extremely powerful. Yeah, could be. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Heather Gill. this has been absolutely tremendous. Thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business and sharing all of these strategies and the great information. Um, To those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. I would love to assign to you to change your password into something that you want your vision of the future to be. Do so today and then you can hold yourself accountable every single day when you enter in your password. Um, Yep, that's it. Freedom is accomplished one one action at a time. So go ahead and take care of that. And um, before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.